0: From Carr, Riggs & Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the CRI It Figures podcast. My name is Robert Lemon. I'm one of the governmental partners uh, at CRI, so today's topic is a governmental one. I'm very excited to be joined with a couple of fantastic presenters here today. Um, April Shooping, another governmental partner from Carrigs and in Ingram. She's going to be talking with me, as and, and she's been on a number of episodes before, so you may, may recognize her, but we're going to be speaking with Dean Mead. Now, Dean has uh, over 25 years of experience working with the Gasby. And he recently joined CRI, and we're gonna be picking his brain about all things GASB related. So, a little bit of insider scoop, if you will, on things about the GASBY. I keep saying that word, Gasby. For those who aren't too familiar with it, what that means is that's the Government Accounting Standards Board. They are the guys who set the standards for all of the government, uh, for all the governmental entities to follow uh, all, all of their governmental accounting standards. So, let me just uh, give April and Dean a quick chance to introduce themselves here. I, I did a quick intro, but April, do you want to say hello?
1: Hi, I'm April Shooping, and thanks, Rob. I'm excited to be back on the podcast and very excited to have Dean as part of our team. Um, I quick intro, I've got um, way more years than I want to admit of experience uh, specializing in government specifically about half of it with public accounting, doing audits and consulting for governments, and the other half actually working in the government finance offices. So I have a vested interest in this topic, Um, definitely have been dealing with GASB implementations of new standards uh, since way before 34. So I'm excited to have um, some input on these these hot burning questions we've got for uh, Dean Mead from the GASB.
0: Excellent. Thank you, April. And and Dean, do you want to introduce yourself? I, I I said 25 years with the GASB. Was that right? I can't remember exactly how long it was, but I know it was a long time. So Dean, do you want to tell us how long you were there and a little bit about yourself, please?
2: Yes. When I want to be dramatic, Rob, I refer to it as a quarter century of standard setting. Uh, but it was uh, just a couple days longer than 24 years that I worked for the Governmental Accounting Standards Board. Um, most of that time uh, as part of the senior leadership of the GASB, Uh, And uh, toward the end there as assistant director of research and technical activities, I was also the coordinator for the governmental accounting standards advisory council, uh, which is GASB's primary advisory group. Uh, And I come from an academic background and a a financial statement user background. Uh, And uh, so during the time I was at the GASB, I was also adjunct member of the faculty uh, at the Rutgers Business School Department of Accounting and Information Systems. from about 2008 to 2020
0: fantastic and we are so pleased again let me say again that we are so pleased to have dean join cri as part of our team just been a few months with us i think dean and and i know i've asked you many many technical questions and, and you've always always had fantastic answers and guidance on, on the gasby topic so i look forward to diving into a few more gasby specific questions with you today so so with that i'm going to go ahead and dive in with the first question that I think might be useful for the audience to to hear, and and it's a very general kind of question. It's just to ask, and do, will you describe for us the role of the GASB? And and just for anyone who's not too familiar, explain to to the audience what what does the GASB do? Well, the GASB, uh, since it was created in 1984, has been recognized by
2: the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the rest of the accounting industry as the setter of generally accepted accounting principles, or GAP, uh, for the approximately 90,000 governments below the federal level in the United States. So we're talking about the 50 state governments, counties, parishes, townships, towns, cities, villages, school districts, special districts that do a variety of things from fire protection to mosquito abatement, uh, and a lot of uh, governmental business enterprises, like pu- public colleges and universities, public hospitals, airports, public utilities, uh, and so on, and even including the U.S. territories like uh, Puerto Rico and Guam. Uh, for those who don't know, GAAP (Generally Accepted Accounting Principles) is the body of rules that those types of governments follow uh, when recording their finances and preparing their audited annual financial statements for the public. Um, when the Gadsby was created, the 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 states were a part of that agreement to create it and effectively were designating the gasby uh with their sovereign power over the accounting rules for the governmental entities in their jurisdictions
0: so this is obviously a very big deal you know <laughs> like you said ninety ish governments who have to follow these uh these rules that are all accounting rules that are all set by the the gasby um, by the the GASB standard setters, so that's a great re- intro. Um, and and I and I, I, I want to give April a chance if she has any specific questions to to jump on the back of that that intro you've given there. April, what, what questions does that spring to mind for you?
1: Yeah, that that's uh, a a pretty big job the Gasby has there. So uh, from my background in working in local government finance offices, you know, it seemed like a lot of times we'd be just plugging along through our year and suddenly we got another standard that we have to implement um so i kind of wonder what is you know we're so busy on the day-to-day a lot of times we don't think about how these standards come to pass they just sort of surprise us out of nowhere it seems um so how so dean can you help me understand how does the gasby go about setting those standards
2: sure uh you know it i'm not surprised by what you say april because I remember being at the GASB, and of course, my focus is on standard setting all the time, but people who are working in in, uh, CPA firms or in government uh, have a lot of other things to do other than keep track of what GASB is doing. And so when GASB does finally get to the point where it releases uh, a new statement of governmental accounting standards, it catches some people off guard. Um, I, I think the best way to describe what GASB does, the way it sets standards, is Uh, deliberate. Um, It also brings to mind uh, the words open uh, and transparent. Uh, GASB makes sure that they've taken enough time to get the right answer to whatever accounting or reporting issue they're working on. Uh, And that results in some people thinking the GASB is not nimble uh, and doesn't move quickly enough, whereas others wish the GASB wouldn't move at all. They wish the GASB would just take a hiatus uh and uh, and not set any new standards for a while uh there's a you know a trade off there uh between speedy standards setting on the one hand and uh thorough objective and and visible standards uh on the other um clearly the GASBY can move quickly when it needs to uh, GASBY statement 95 uh which postponed the effective dates of, of other GASB pronouncements during the pandemic and Technical Bulletin 2020-1, which provided some pandemic-related accounting guidance, both were issued in about a month, and half that time was the public comment period. Uh, But most of the time, uh, when dealing with something that's complex or fundamental like pensions or revenue recognition, the GASB is typically gonna take a few years to study that issue and conduct research uh, before it even starts to set standards. Uh, and then likely we will publish two or three documents for public comment during the process of developing newer, revised standards. Uh, most issues are, are less complicated and don't require as much research and tend to only involve uh, putting out a single proposed version for public comment. But no matter how big the issue is, the unifying theme is that uh, the nature, regardless of what type of topic you're working on, The GASB does all of this work in the full view of governments and auditors and financial statement users uh, and actively seeks to get them involved in the process because that's what makes standard setting work, is getting people who are out in the field actively uh, applying or auditing against or using uh, the information that results from these accounting standards, uh, on a day-to-day basis. As much as the folks at the Gatsby know about accounting standards, and they obviously know them better than anyone, they're not on the implementation side. They're not on the using side uh, of the standards, and they need uh, lots of people to get involved a- and to let them know what they think about their proposals and how uh, standards are working once they get uh, uh, put into practice and implemented. Um, I you know, I've often said that the thing that makes GASB standards generally accepted is not that everyone loves them. Uh, far from it. Uh, I think it's more common that everybody has something they don't like about every GASB pronouncement. Um but what makes those standards accepted is that it is the process uh that the GASBY follows to create those standards and that it is uh, above reproach. It is objective, it's visible, it's open to participation. And it's even-handed. So even if you don't like what the Gatsby, uh has decided, you have to do. Uh, you have to acknowledge, I think, that they gave you plenty of opportunity to share your views, and that they considered that input seriously.
0: Yeah, and I certainly would agree with that. And for for many years, I know we've, uh, in, in part of my team, we've always tried to participate in comment periods and and review standards prior to issuance. You know, the the proposed drafts of standards. And it is something I would encourage anyone uh, who deals with GASB standards to to make sure you're keeping your your eye on the ball and participating and giving feedback to to proposed standards or, or recently issued standards. And uh, I, I think you you said it very well, there, Dean. So yeah, definitely a, a collaborative process to get the standards uh, as as good as possible. Let's say it that way. But uh, that was an excellent summary. Thank you, thank you for that, Dean. But uh, I want to dig in a little on, on a little something different as well. Because you mentioned earlier that, you know, you were there almost a quarter of a century. And, and that, that got me thinking, you know, obviously, that's a huge amount of time. Think of all the stuff that has changed in the last quarter of a century. And there's a lot of talk as well about how the accounting profession has been changing and continues to change. So change was the question that it brought to mind for me. So so from your 25 years there with the Gasby, almost 25, um, what changes did you see during your time there? I think I can say that one
2: thing that hasn't changed uh, you know if I could flip that on its head a little bit is that the 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 procedures the gasby follows you know continue to be the same and and, and if anything the gasby finds ways ways to improve upon them uh you know based upon its experience with setting other standards uh but what has changed somewhat uh is the 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 types of projects and topics that populate the GASB's current technical agenda, the things that it sets standards on. Um, Way back in uh, 1998, when I joined the GASB, uh, they were at that point a year away from issuing Statement 34, which was pretty much the biggest thing they had ever done. It was 15 years in the making at that point. They'd been working on it right from the start uh, of the organization. Uh, So a lot of the initial focus at that point was on supporting governments uh, in the implementation of that pronouncement. Uh, which stretched over five or six years. Um, And then with the introduction of government-wide accrual-based financial statements for all governments from Statement 34, as governments started to do them, it became apparent that there were some big ticket items on both the asset and liability side that weren't appearing in these government-wide accrual-based financial statements because there hadn't been any accrual standards for reporting them up to that point. Things like pension liabilities, Uh, uh, other post-employment benefit liabilities, uh, such as for retiree health insurance, uh, obligations related to pollution remediation and asset retirement, intangible assets like trademarks and copyrights and easements. uh, And even most recently, uh, you know, as recently as a few years ago when Statement 87 came out, uh, leases and similar transactions that result in in significant assets and significant liabilities on the books, depending upon whether a government's a lessee or a lessor. Uh, So that was the first big shift in focus was really kind of plugging these holes uh, that became apparent once everyone was following accrual accounting. Uh, The second gradually occurred as, as the Gatsby was filling in those gaps in the standards, and began to re-examine prior standards that had been in effect for a long time. Some of them older than the GASB itself. Standards that had been uh, inherited from the National Council on Governmental Accounting, uh, or from the, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, or, or the AICPA. Um, in the process of, of shifting toward re-examination of existing standards, uh, more common than, more commonly or more often than. Uh, tackling entirely new areas, the GASB significantly improved upon how it re-examines those existing standards uh, to ensure that they're continuing to work the way they're supposed to work in practice, that they are accurately and fully capturing the economic substance of the transactions that they deal with, and most importantly, that they continue to provide information that people need to make decisions and to hold governments accountable. Uh, and, And that includes relatively recent changes to GASB's uh, what it calls the post-implementation review process or PIR uh, in order to accelerate it so that it's the Gasby's collecting information about implementation efforts and costs uh, as governments are putting into place these standards uh, that require a significant amount of, uh, of time and effort and dollars.
0: It's really interesting that you joined us such a crucial moment like you said right right around the implementation and issuance of GASB 34 which funnily enough was the standard April mentioned earlier uh, I think I think she was saying she she has uh, been doing Gasby stuff since before GASB 34 um, but yeah it's interesting to see that they would that that you came in right when there was that overarching standard that kind of imp- impacted everything and everyone and since then there's been more of a, a filling of the of the holes um, if you if you will in, in terms of the standards and I think we might be getting back to another big overarching standard in the future but that's uh, that's one one for another another moment will uh, for now I just guess I want to put it back to April you know you said April that you had seen pre-gasby 34 and then since then uh you've been working with it the whole gasby standards the whole time what Dean says there is that kind of consistent with what you've experienced that, that that since 34 came out there was the big overarching standard there and then since then it's been more dealing with the, filling the holes, the, the one-off topics? Is that—is that how you feel you've seen it, April?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's, it's what I've seen. Um, things that when, you know, if you cut your teeth in governmental accounting pre-GASB 34, stuff you never really had to think about. Um, and, and I've seen more and more things that maybe were just sort of standard practice, or most people did it that way, being actually codified um, in GASB standards, as in here's the actual right way to do these things, which is, I think, really helpful um, to not have to reinvent the wheel when you're trying to figure out something like, when do I recognize this uh, grant revenue from, say, GASB 33? Um, And I'm really excited to hear that GASB is working on uh, getting a little more feedback about and, and really considering those costs and um, time and effort and actual literal costs. Sometimes, when we think about things like GASB sixty eight for um, you know pension liabilities and the act- extra actuarial work you have done, um, you know Gasby really taking a look at what those costs are for implementation and ongoing um, standard um, you know compliance. I think that's that's really helpful to hear as someone who was a practitioner. Um, That kind of leads me to another thought, which is, you know, Dean can, in in my time, you know, helping different governments implement standards, um, a lot of times we talk to our uh, peers in other areas, maybe the Government Finance Officers Association helps with some um, implementation guidance. If I've got a really weird situation or if I've got really strong opinions on something the GASBY's doing, what are some ways that I, as a, as a government auditor or someone who is a government accountant or government finance officer, what are some ways they could give some feedback to GASB or ask questions or, or maybe even point out a, hey, here's a situation that a lot of us are dealing with and we don't really have any guidance on. So is, is there is there a good method to communicate with the GASB or are they kind of closed door? Oh, no, they,
2: they are definitely open door and and eager to hear about the kinds of things that you're talking about. Uh, just in listening to you ask the question, I started to get a, a shiver uh, they're reminding me of how excited I used to get when somebody would call up or, or send us an email and say, hey, I'm, I'm seeing this weird thing. Uh, and, and you know, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do about it. Uh, GASBY wants to hear about those kinds of things because that's how uh, one of the ways that they learn that there's something that might require their attention, that something may have developed uh, out in the field uh, that uh, they weren't aware of or that wasn't anticipated by the existing standards. Uh, I know that there are some people who think that the GASB, uh spends 24-7 coming up with new and interesting ways to torment them uh, with new standards, but I, I promise you that a significant amount of time of the GASB staff is spent trying to help governments and other stakeholders understand and apply the standards that are already existing. Uh, They do that by publishing implementation guidance and speaking at conferences and answering questions from stakeholders. I continue to be surprised when I do uh, presentations at conferences and I ask how many people know that you can ask the Gatsby a question uh, and that they will answer it often very quickly. Uh, And only a few hands will go up. Uh, And I find that remarkable because that is a service that is available to everybody. There's a form on Gasby's website, gasby.org, just for submitting these types of questions to the GASB, uh, and it directs that question to the right person on the staff to answer it, often the person who wrote the statement that you're asking the question about. Uh, the email addresses and the phone numbers of the Gasby staff are on the website as well, so they are very accessible. They are happy to receive phone calls or emails or questions through that website. Um, anyone can share their views with the GASBY at any time. Uh, anybody is allowed to uh, email or send a letter to the, to the board requesting that the board reconsider an existing pronouncement uh, and hopefully making a good case for doing so. Um, the board members and the staff are both available to talk about existing standards or ongoing projects or issues that you think they should be working on. Uh, they are regularly reaching out to get people to participate in their research and their post implementation reviews. Uh, for example, uh, there are a bunch of surveys on capital asset accounting and reporting that are just wrapping up. Uh, and they're going to be followed by surveys on the existing pension standards as, as part of that PIR. Uh, and then there are later this year, there'll be surveys about the existing subsequent event standards uh, and some round tables. To conclude that capital asset research, which has been going on for a couple of years. And, and of course, what the GASBY really wants the public to do is to take a look at its proposed standards and to provide feedback on them. And once you've interacted with the GASBY in a, in a substantive manner, either through its research or uh, through due process and standard setting, uh, the feedback you provide is recorded in their uh, constituent feedback database, and then you automatically hear about uh, new opportunities to participate in the future as they, as they come about.
0: Excellent summary. And that is my experience as well. GASB, from my side, has always been very open door, as you put it, very willing to, to address technical questions. The, the form you mentioned, I, I hope everyone picks up on that on, on gasby.org. There is a form to submit technical questions, and, and, and like you said, Dean, I, I've always experienced—I I have always experienced a quick, thorough, and effective response, and uh, it's been a very valuable tool. So, yeah, for anyone who didn't realize or doesn't have the perception that Gasby is open door, I encourage you to to get more familiar with them, and especially the website and all the the, the tools and, and communication methods uh, available through the website. I've found it to be very valuable. So. I'm going to ask you one more question then I'll uh, turn it over to April see if she's got any final ones we're gonna we're on the home stretch here we're gonna start wrapping it up and and my last question is that kind of something I touched on earlier about you know you talked about we had the one overarching standard and then there was some plugging of the holes since GASB 34 and I'm curious what's coming down the pipe you know from an insider's Whatever you can tell us from an insider perspective, what do we, what, what do we, sh- what should we expect to see coming down the pipe from the Gasby?
2: Well, I, this is uh, was alluded to earlier. That the Gasby has been for several years now uh, been re-examining uh, Statement 34 and the related standards that govern the the financial reporting model, which is the, the blueprint uh, for the audited annual financial report. Uh, and uh, they've also uh, more recently uh, tack- tried to tackle uh, the narrow topic of revenue and expense recognition. Uh, both of those projects are ongoing, uh, though neither of them is exactly right around the corner. Uh, it, based on the technical plan that the GASB has on its website, uh, a final statement in the reporting model project is at least 15 m- months off and that presumes that the board hasn't made changes that are so significant uh, since the exposure draft that it it believes it needs to do another round of public feedback. That will only push it out further. And for the revenue and expense recognition project, a proposed statement is not expected until March of 2025. Uh, And uh, so they are very deliberately moving through that topic, which is... uh, moderately fundamental to everything that we do uh, in the accounting profession with governments uh, and uh, and making sure that, uh, you know, each of the aspects of the the feedback that they received uh, from the last due process document in that project is fully addressed so that when they do propose new standards, uh, they've answered the questions that people had and and what they're proposing will be as clear as possible. There's one other major project uh, that's not quite as substantial as those, but still a pretty big deal Uh, that's going concern, uncertainties and severe financial stress disclosures. Uh, But that only started deliberations in July after uh, something like five and a half or six years worth of research. Uh, So there's a lot of work left to be done there before the first due process document comes out. Uh, The other main focus that I, I, I expect to see for the GASB is that now that it's published Concept Statement 7 on note disclosures, sometime in the next year or so, it'll begin to reconsider the body of disclosure requirements uh, prior to GASB Statement 67 for pension plans. Uh, They they conducted about two and a half years worth of uh, re-examination research on that entire body of standards from about 2016 to 2018. Uh, But then rather than jump right into uh, uh, improving upon those existing standards, the board wanted to uh, build upon its conceptual framework that guides how it decides what governments should disclose and what they shouldn't disclose. Uh, And uh, uh, they've now finished that, and they've got this much more robust uh, description of how disclosure requirements are arrived at. Uh, so I expect them to to now turn their attention to applying that set of concepts to the existing disclosure requirements and determining if there are some that can go away uh, or there are some that can be improved on or some that aren't required yet, but that research suggests that, uh, that financial statement users need. And, and if I could summarize that two and a half years worth of research in uh, a couple of points. The first would be that most people think the notes are too long cumulatively. Uh, but the second point is that no one seems to know where to start cutting. Uh, it, it, when you when asked, well, which note disclosure should the GASB get rid of first, You know, no one could really agree on what didn't need to be reported. Uh, so the, the board's got a real challenge ahead of it, I think, to apply that new set of concepts uh, and to identify the kinds of things that uh, governments are already reporting that might not be as important to financial statement users, and that might lessen the disclosure burden that governments are dealing with. Um, that being said, uh, there are plenty of opportunities for improvement that were identified by stakeholders in that research for a, a wide variety of, uh, of existing note disclosures. So I expect the board will have a lot to uh, in front of it to deal with, a lot to chew on and that stakeholders will have a lot of opportunity to provide their input on that as well.
0: Wow, so we do have a lot to be looking out for from the GASB. You know, the one I was alluding to, the the big overarching item being that uh, financial reporting model re-examination. But in addition to that, like you said, the revenue and expense recognition, then there's the going concern uncertainties, as well as the uh, disclosure concept statement like you said, not coming out in the next year or so, but but shortly thereafter, we're going to start seeing a lot of big big stuff coming through. So definitely in the next few years, need to be keeping a close eye on everything that Gasby's got coming out. But uh, so that's, that's that's been excellent. Thank you, Dean. I, I've got no more questions, but April, do you want to do? Do you have any final uh, questions for Dean?
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to hear that uh, some of the things that are being revisited. I know the. I think the, if I recall correctly, the last note standard that was set, it was very exciting because they actually took away some some uh, required notes. So as a as an ex practitioner, uh, that was that was a beautiful moment from the Gasby, and I and I look forward to uh, that. Although I'm sure it is always a balance between the preparers and the users on what we do disclose. Um, I just had one, one last kind of thought if we can pick your brain dean uh with with this exciting opportunity um is there anything you know with all that time at the gasby kind of seeing how the sausage is made so to speak um d- is there anything that you really learned during that time that that's probably unique to the position you held um, anything that maybe would be helpful to government accountants or auditors that might be listening? Um, just some kind of special insights from from the insider view at the GASBY. I'd, I'd love to hear that from you. Sure.
2: You, the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the one thing, you know, that is kind of funny to me is that you, you realize that you've been around for a long time when something as momentous as GASB Statement 24 you know, happens while you're in the industry and you're still around when the GASB is going back and looking at re-examining something that monumental that required so much effort. You know that you've been in, in the in the job for a really long time. Um, there are a couple of things uh, that your question jogs in my mind that I, I think maybe a lot of people don't know and, and would be surprised by. Uh, the first Is that GASB listens to everyone who takes the time to share their views, Uh, and those views are considered with uh, equanimity, uh, by which I mean, you know, the input of a concerned parent of of children in a public school uh, is given the same level of attention uh, and same consideration as input from a, a state governor or a member of Congress. The second thing that I think people might find surprising, is that standard setting is not a popularity contest. Uh, the The most votes do not win. Uh, the position with the most support from stakeholders is not necessarily the one that will become the final guidance. The The, the GASBY is attempting to get the best answer possible, not necessarily the one that people like the most. So over the years, there have were a few projects that generated letter writing campaigns that ended up sending a slew of form letters to the Gasby, which may emphasize the importance of the issue to certain stakeholders, but it doesn't have any impact really on what the board members decide to do. For example, the exposure draft that led to statement 34 prompted something like 1,500 form letters from government finance officers Uh, The main point of which was opposition to the reporting of general capital assets and infrastructure as a part of what had been proposed for Statement 34. And in my opinion, it could have been a million letters and it still wouldn't have been tenable for the board to require accrual-based financial statements for the entire government and leave out what tends to be a government's most valuable assets. Um, I think I can sum up the, the... The board's decision making, and uh, you know what I have to say in this podcast, with a quote from the animated version of Mulan, uh, in which the Emperor of China said, "A single grain of rice can tip the scale." And and believe it or not, a single convincing argument can win the day with the Gatsby. It doesn't matter if uh, 1,500 people say one thing; if somebody else makes a a lucid and convincing argument to the board about how an accounting issue ought to be dealt with, the board may very well choose that point of view uh, as the basis for its standards and not the one that the noisiest part of the stakeholder community uh, said they wanted. Uh, and and honestly, I can't think of anything else that works that way.
1: That's that's really, uh, really exciting to hear, Dean. And um, I, I appreciate that insight and kind of inspires me a little bit. Uh, you. Those of you who've heard me on speak before know that I have a handful of soapboxes, so um, it does inspire me to maybe think about making that convincing argument about uh, getting rid of deferred inflows and outflows. So you, you've just inspired me to annoy the gasby dean. <laughs> Thanks for that, uh
2: that Well, that's, that's a whole nother podcast, April, to talk about the merits of deferred inflows and deferred
0: outflows. Yeah, I think we could be here for a while if we get into that one. And we we've we've had a long discussion already, but that's a that 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 is a fantastic point you make, Dean. That and it emphasises again that uh, the importance of participating in the, the standard setting process and being in that collaborative effort with the Gasby, especially on standards that that people have strong passions about and strong feelings about. It's it's uh, important that they get their their voices heard because the Gasby is listening. So that's, that's that's excellent. But I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. Like I said, this has been quite 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 a long episode already. But I just want to thank you, Dean and April, both for for all your help and uh, taking the time to discuss today. Dean, especially, it's been great since you've joined CRI. You, I know you've added a lot of value to uh, our audit team on the governmental practice as well as our governmental clients as well. And I know you'll continue to do so. So thanks for joining us. And uh, I'll just sign off here and, and, and tell our audience, please do feel free to follow us on any and all social media sites that we're on. Uh, and, and check out our website cricpa.com. on there you'll find a lot of uh, links to our podcasts and, and useful articles, especially on the governmental page and our Dean writes some some articles for us and, and you'll find them on that uh, on on that website uh, I just mentioned so yeah please do follow us on social media and, and check out our website and uh, keep following our podcasts. but well, that's all I've got for today so I will thank you again for listening and wish you all a very good day. Bye bye.
1: If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for
0: listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review.